And I tend to be a very deep thinker. And as I was listening to a lot of other women introduce themselves and say, who is Jill? It always focused on a lot of like task oriented things, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a mom, I'm a wife, um, I'm a nurse, I'm right. And so, yes, I'm all of those things. But what I discovered was that if we identify ourselves by what we do or the tasks that we complete, when those things go away, then we feel less than and we've lost our identity. So instead, I would like to say, who is Jill? Um, I came up with a few things that weren't focused on tasks. Hi guys, I'm your host, Megan Van Diepender, and this is the Empowerhood Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. You know, motherhood is hard, and we are gonna talk about all of the hard things that just are not talked about enough. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. Everyone out there listening today, we have Jill Ensminger with us. Am I saying your last name right? Ensminger? Yeah. Okay. Um, and she is going to talk to us about her journey through motherhood and her first child going off to college and just going through that whole process um, and all the resources that she used to, you know, cope and get through that. So Jill, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about you? Who is Jill? Thank you so much. I first just want to say thank you so much for everything you do for the community, for women, um, your podcast, I've been listening and I am so impressed and I'm so grateful to be here, to be invited, to be among all the other women that have been on your podcast. So thank you for doing this for women. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm so excited to share my story. So, um, I just appreciate being here. I have listened to your podcast before, and I knew that that was going to be the first question that had <laughs> lots of time to ponder it. And I tend to be a very deep thinker. And as I was listening to a lot of other women introduce themselves and say, who is Jill? It always focused on a lot of like task oriented things, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a mom, I'm a wife, um, I'm a nurse, I'm right. And so, yes, I'm all of those things. But what I discovered was that if we identify ourselves by what we do or the task that we complete, when those things go away, then we feel less than and we've lost our identity. So instead, I would like to say, who is Jill? Um, I came up with a few things that weren't focused on tasks, right? Mm -hmm. And so I tend to be a faith seeker, um, always on a faith journey. I'm very passionate about life, always seeking, thrill seeking, wanting to do new things, meet new people, um, do whatever I can that's exciting. Um, I also am very curious about things and consider myself a lifelong learner. Never want to stop learning, always want, whether it be in my fields or in someone else's fields, always listening to podcasts, always trying to meet new people. Um, so that's where I tend to, how I identify myself. I also identify myself as really focusing on being um, outward facing in a way that I'm super passionate about creating an impact in other people's lives, very specifically um, women, children, moms, young adults. That's where I want to make the biggest impact through showing caring, loving, compassion, and empathy for that population. So that's in a nutshell, who is, that's, that's me, right? Yeah. Um, a little bit, maybe too philosophical and too deep for, you know, nine o'clock. Um, <laughs> okay, right? No, I think that was, that was amazing. Cause I mean, I think you're right. We do kind of just associate with ourselves with what we're doing, you know, all the things that we're doing, especially as a woman, you know, we have a lot of roles that we play. Um, so yeah. And that, I feel like I know you. So, I mean, that's you to the core. I feel like what you just said. <laughs> so that was amazing. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. So how many children do you have, Jill? 
Um, so I have three children. Um, they range, I have one boy and two girls ranging from um, almost 16. The sweet 16 is coming up okay. this week and uh, and then 18 and so every two years. Okay. They're all two years apart. Months. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So three children. So what is your oldest name? Lillian. Lillian. Okay. So Lillian went off to college, right? Did, Where did yeah. she go? Um, so Lily went to the University of Buffalo. Okay. And um, so she's a junior. So. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Now, how far away is this from you? Like, is it drivable? Absolutely. <laughs> so um, four and a half hours. Okay. Four. Um, okay. Did that help through this whole process or what kind of happened? What came about when, you know, she was picking a college? Like, how did she pick this school and were you involved in the decision? Um, I think that I was, um, she, we originally lived in the Buffalo area for our, um, 31 years. She was mm-hmm. born in Buffalo. Um, and so we lived there until she was four. Okay. So she grew an attachment to Buffalo. Um, my husband went to the university of Buffalo. She wanted to study, um, pre-med. And so she, the university of Buffalo had an amazing program and that was always her dream. And um, so that's how she that's how she chose it. Yeah. And you were supportive of that choice for. I was yes, I was super excited for her. Um, also, I was super excited that she was going to be near family. Yeah. Because all of our family and friends um, are there. Are still in Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So leading up to her, you know, graduating high school and all these, you know, big milestones coming up. Like, how are you feeling towards it? Yeah, so I thought that I prepared myself, right? I did all the things. I was focused on mostly like, okay, so we ought to get through graduation and then I have a party and that's sort of super distracted by all the fun activities, mm-hmm. but not really focused on preparing myself for the actual milestone. I had an anticipation that it would be hard, um, but it was almost like, okay, let's get there and rip off the Band-Aid, right? Yeah. It was like, um, it was the anticipatory, I didn't have, I didn't have a moment where I could process it because it was happening so fast yeah. and there were so many other activities that were happening. Right. Um, so I was excited for her. I helped her through the process. Um, but I was just really busy with party planning, a big graduation party and all the, the fun milestones that come along with graduation. Yeah. We were celebrating and it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then it's, you know, shopping for all the things. And right. So, that that whole process was good, but I didn't. I wasn't very forward thinking about what it, what it would actually look like once she okay. didn't. Right, right. I mean, I feel like that's so hard too because they're going through such a big change too. You have to prepare her, you know, to not be with you too. So it's like you don't really have time to think about yourself. You're trying to get her all prepped and ready to be on her own. Megan, I'm sorry. I just couldn't. I can't hear you anymore. Oh. I don't know what happened. It's okay. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. It's weird. I don't know what changed. Let me try to exit out and come back in. Let's see. I'm going to leave and come back in. My microphone is on. Oops, hold on. I'm sorry. Okay. I got you now. Can you hear me? Yeah, it was my fault. I'm so sorry. Oh, no worries. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Oh, so yeah. So I was saying that I feel like when you're through going through that process, not that I've been through it as a mom, but I remember when my sister went off to school, it's like as a parent, you're preparing the child to go off and be on their own too. Not only are you buying all the things, but like mentally preparing for them to go and be completely independent, you know, on their own. So like you almost get forgotten where like your feelings don't seem as relevant in those moments. Did you feel like that kind of going into it? And then it was just like a, you hit a wall. Yeah, I did not, I didn't focus on it a lot. And there's this balance between you really want to be careful that you don't, you don't want to overextend your feelings to your child that's leaving and being like, I'm going to miss you so much. This is going to be so awful, right? Like you, there was a sense of like holding back, um, mostly because I, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to set her up for success. And if, if I go into it with like expressing all of my feelings, um, you know, then I felt like it, it would be a disservice to her. So I wanted her to be able to, I wanted to stay positive. And so I did, kept the excitement going and making sure that, you know, we, we talked about it and, you know, kind of, it kept that enthusiasm going, but you're right, there was no preparation on, on my part um, as far as like, what am I going to be feeling? How am I going to be feeling? How am I gonna deal with this? What am I gonna do on the day that I get home? What am I gonna do in the next yeah. day? day and what is that going to look like how's it going to impact my children and so um it kind of like you know life just takes us and we just go with it right yeah we don't prepare yeah so So what happened um so we we drove in and it was a beautiful day and we were so excited um as we drove in and she seen you know what you the 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 grandness of the college. Mm. She looked at me and she's like, this is what I've been dreaming of. Wow. And I, you know, I think already I was like tearing up, but in a good way. Yeah. Like I was like, so happy for you. And it was a hundred degree day. Um, oh my God. <laughs> her, maybe it wasn't a hundred degrees, but it was a hundred degrees in her room. And like, it was super hot. There's no air conditioning. We're all sweating, yeah. uh, moving things in. And she was like, be on your best behavior, mom don't embarrass me. Um, right. And so I'm like, okay, so we just do everything that we're supposed to. I follow her lead. I help her where she needs me to help her. Um, she allows me to get the pictures. I'm like, that's great. You know? And, um, so it's, 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 it was, it was a wonderful day. My husband was super excited. He felt like a kid in a candy store. He's like, we never had that experience of going away to college and, um, dorming. And so we were so thrilled for her and we stayed throughout the day to just be supportive, but we gave her some space to set up a room on her own. And then we would come back and be like, we're going to go to the bookstore. Oh, we'll go over. Um, you know, we went at one point, we went and, and um, my parents met us to buy her refrigerator, like yeah. all the fun stuff we did. And we packed it all in one day. Um, and then it was time to go. Um, and I didn't, I guess I should have prepared as well and maybe stayed like the weekend because there was no reason for us to leave except for I think it, it, I had to be back to work. Okay. Um, so that was the only reason, but I should have taken the day off and like stayed. So like maybe the next day I could get lunch with her, but again, not knowing. Right. Yeah. And so we said our goodbyes. Um, my husband said goodbye. My daughter said goodbye. And then I was last to say goodbye. And that goodbye felt like forever. It was like, okay, I'm never going to see you again. Right? right. Like it was like, oh my goodness. And then watched her walk away. And I think when she walked away, she was having some feelings, right? Yeah. And so, so did I. And then watching her walk away, I was just like, okay, all right. So 
I just get into the car and um, my daughter was sitting in the back. My husband was driving and the, the ugly cry just came. And uh, and then the sobbing and then the ugly cry and my poor daughter who, you know, um, what was she like 13, 14 at the time and um, she never heard me cry. I don't think like that. So she yeah. just was giggling. <laughs> She's like, I have no idea what to do right now. <laughs> you were Mom, making her nervous. <laughs> you're, crazy. you're crazy. You sound ridiculous. And I just kept it just it just wouldn't let up. And then it, it, it let up for a moment because my phone rang about maybe an hour and a half in. And it was my daughter already calling me. Yeah. And she needed to work through a social situation. You know, already? she or yes, it was her first day at college and, you know, she needed to, you know, what was the evening time? So it was about like, what am I going to do for dinner? Where do I go? Who do I go to dinner with? Yeah. How do I figure out how to navigate, how to get to dinner? And so it wasn't like she wasn't capable of those things. It was just like, okay, help me go through this yeah. process. And remembering too, at the time it was COVID. So we all still had masks on. Yeah. You know, she graduated during COVID. And so there was, it was a time where social skills were a little bit diminished, yeah. right? And we were learning how to navigate a new social network. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, she called me. And so the tears stopped and I was like, okay, I got to get on. Like, I got to, I got to just figure this out. And so walked her through some of that and then just said, okay, for the next two hours, <laughs> maybe I could keep myself together a little bit <laughs> for the ride home. Um but it, you know, it definitely was, it was a challenge. I'll remember that yeah. day forever. Yeah. And you know, it, it definitely was a challenge, mostly on the way home. The day was celebrated beautifully and we tried to support her in any way. And I didn't let her know that I was feeling, you know, that such in the moment, such in a moment yeah. of, of loss, I tried to stay really positive. Right, for. right. Because I mean, it is a loss. You know, your child, your baby's out of the house. And yeah. so- how do you go about so you said you didn't have anything planned like what am I going to do the next day like what am I going to do the next day after that and whatnot so like if you're going through a loss when it's not like a death but like your child is flourishing and growing and you know going out on their own where do you go from that like what happened in the next steps you know after that yeah that the next steps were kind of difficult because like I said it wasn't planned and one of the things I didn't have planned either was certain expectations about like, okay, so how often are we going to talk? How often do you want to talk to me? Will I be bothering you if I text you? Will I be bothering you if I call you? And so because we didn't set those parameters up, I felt almost if it was like a breakup because a lot of other influences were like, give her her space, you know, don't bother her, Mm -hmm. do this. Um, and, and then in the meantime, there was family that um, lived in Buffalo that was still able to see her, was still able to talk to her. Um, and so it, it felt very unnatural to me. And I wasn't I wasn't acting authentically because I was acting on what what are the expectations of a mom? What's what's supposed to be normal? Right. And what I learned was our relationship is so incredibly unique that we create normal, right? Mm-hmm. In our families, um, we create the normal. Yes. Uh, and I feel like um, in the journey of parenthood, so many times we let somebody else predict what's normal mm-hmm. and we forget that we have control over that. Yes. And so if I want to call my child 10 times a day, is it healthy? Maybe not, but it could it be normal for us. Right. 
could right. be, right? So, um, you know, but I put a barrier there. I was like, no, I can't do it. I have to show her that I'm strong. I have to show her that I'm not, you know, sobbing every day. I have to, right. I have to put up the front for her. But in actuality, we had developed this beautiful, trusting relationship where we could tell each other everything. Mm-hmm. And so we went through, you know, the first week was really hard because I did that whole even maybe the first month did the whole like I'm tough I can do it Um, I'm not gonna let her know how I'm feeling and then I gradually became it became more authentic where I wasn't sobbing to her but I would be honest with her like I'm this transition is is a little bit hard for me how are you doing right right because the only way for her to be able to express her feelings is if I'm honest with mine and so it opened up an opportunity for her to be like yeah, mom, this, this does really stink. I'm not used to this, um, which was not always the case. I mean, sometimes she was like, this is amazing. And then other days she'd be like, okay, mom, like it's, it's so hot in this room. And I, you know, or like some of the, the normal yeah. kind of complaints, um, right. you know, laundry, the laundry situation or the roommate situation, or, or one day would be, it was like a roller coaster. And I, what I do realize is that our happiness, when we identify as, you know, being wholeheartedly a mom our our whole um, happiness is dependent on their happiness we're I heard a saying like you're only as happy as your happiest child right or your father's child whichever it might be right and so um my my level of comfort with her being away depended a lot about you know her roller coaster of emotions and going on in her social life and what was going on um you know academically and all of those kind of things and so um, after a while, I kind of attached to that too. So, yeah. Well, I was going to say that's kind of hard. So I know you said you were afraid to share your feelings. And I think that might be a fear of a lot of parents because at the same time as your child's adjusting to all these big changes, you don't want to project how you're feeling onto them. So they're like, I want to come home. Does that make any sense? Were you like afraid of that? Because I feel like a lot of parents might not express how they feel like, oh, I miss you so much because – they might think that their child's like, oh, okay, well, it's okay that I feel this way. Maybe I shouldn't give it a chance and come home type of thing. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't want to project and I didn't want her to feel a sense of guilt either. Um, but I think it's so important to really just maintain that relationship and be honest and then, but not, but it's, it's in a sense where I don't have to tell her how I'm feeling. Instead, I could be like, how do you feel you're transitioning? Like, what are your thoughts? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was more of like opening up the dialogue. And then if, if she was ready, but putting, putting that amount of pressure on her um, to console me was not, it was, it was not, I was not going to do that to her. Um, it would be interesting to hear, like, if she was like, oh, no, you did make me feel kind of bad. Yeah, like her side oh. of the story. Um, yeah. I, I mean, doubt you made her feel bad. I mean, I think I there's got to be some healthy way to still be able to, like you said, be authentic about yeah. how you're feeling without making mm-hmm. them be like, I need you to come home, you know, and not go to college, <laughs> you right. know, or maybe like even being like, I really, really miss you, yeah. but I'm doing this to help, you know, or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, how did this affect the whole family? So you were, did you feel like you were like depressed or like, how did it go about with the rest of your family? Yeah. So I think that that's kind of a twofold question. Um, I definitely fell into a deep depression. Um, I have a long family history of alcoholism and it's definitely been an issue for me. So at the time that she left, I was in um, a state of um, really pursuing 
um, habits where I did not drink in front of my children. And that was a conscious effort that I, you know, changed up probably about a year and a half before she left. And so I was sticking with those habits, but it didn't mean that I did not still struggle um, with, with, with drinking. And so then it turned into, well, then I'm going to drink in private and not let anyone know because it was my only coping mechanism I had at the time mm-hmm. to suppress those feelings of loss and grief. Um, and so that definitely affected my family because I withdrew from my family. I withdrew from my family and my friends from really in, in, in Buffalo, like in the Buffalo area too, because I had felt like a sense of, um, if I talked to them and they had more information about my daughter than I did, it was like this odd thing. And so I was like, you know what? I can't, I can't do that. So yeah. it was overall being in a state of depression and still being in somewhat in COVID um, and then having, compounding it with drinking then just compounded the problem yeah. altogether. And so that did affect the family. Um, as far as my husband, he dealt with it very well. He doesn't show emotion very much. So he would talk about it very randomly, but he would not ever, um, you know, really express any sort of grief or loss. It was like, we just don't need to talk about it. It's, it's going to be okay. Um, the interesting part um, with my two youngest is that my son really stepped up and he recognized that there was an opportunity to bond with my youngest. Okay. And it's beautiful to see the relationship that evolved between the two of them, um, especially being a boy and a girl. Um, but he, you know, he had gotten his license in that time and asking her to do things and driving her places and taking her to eat. And they really had a new opportunity because I think like when there's three, there's always like, you know, it's just like this odd dynamic. Yeah. So they they really bonded and to this day they are so incredibly bonded and I feel like he he just does a, an amazing job of of including her and then she does the same for them they they fill each other up and that's just so rewarding to see yeah um, so I, I feel like the the family did did really well the dynamic of the house changed completely where um, my oldest is the playful one okay. she is um the spicy one she is the oh my goodness she just brings like the most delightful chaos to the house like if anybody's going to be wrestling in the kitchen it's her if anybody's going to be dancing (laughs) in the kitchen it's her if anyone's blasting the music it's her if anyone's letting the dog out the back door and running away it's her right like all these like fun chaotic things it you know it was just and then the house became a little bit quiet yeah and I think that that, you know, that kind of added to it. If you have a child who's kind of like not as, you know, as kind of fun, then maybe, it, you know, it's just, it's a different dynamic. So yeah. coming back and having a quiet house was, was hard. Um, but I think, you know, the, the two youngest, they definitely, they tried to, you know, make it a little more fun. For yeah. me, so. so there was some positive things happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So how did you come out of this depression and, you know, cope? Yeah, I want to, I want to say it's still a journey, right? Um, So I did like see, I I did seek out medical attention. You know, I tried to, you know, get the antidepressants and the medication that you take to stop drinking, like did all of that. And that didn't work. It was, you know, I just experienced the more side effects of medication and 
that didn't work for me. I did um, at one point, you know, I sought out like a a support group for drinking early on. Um, That was, it was not the right fit for me. So that didn't work either. Um, I think ultimately it's, it's been a journey and it's been up and down depending on her level of happiness and comfort. And so there's good days and there's bad days. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely, the most beneficial thing that has happened most recently is that her living situation has changed and she has found so much joy lately. Um, and seeing her be completely content and in this state of joy that I, and that it's just brought me so much joy. And so, um, she, her first year, she stayed on campus. Her second year, she had her own apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, being on campus wasn't really the right fit for her. She didn't have a dorm, she didn't have a, a roommate. So that made it a little hard socially. Oh, yeah. And then she did um, get a roommate. She had her own apartment and that was okay. But then we had like some really bad storms in Buffalo and there was some damage in the apartment and like that caused like a little bit of stress for her and for me. Um, and now her living situation is absolutely beautiful. She's been welcomed into a home um, where she is a, a live-in nanny. Oh. And um, it is, it has been so rewarding. Um, she feels so part of their family. And when she, she makes comments like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be spending the night with the family tonight. And when she calls them the family, it just, it warms my heart so yeah. much. And I've been able to develop a relationship with um, the mom and then the kids too. That's amazing. And um, it has just brought so much joy to our lives. Like when I reflect on 2023, I'm like, oh, I just, I had told the mom, I was like, you've just, you've changed our lives and brought so much joy. And so I think, I think finding joy in, in those things and the circumstances and just, recognizing that this is part of life and really coming to that, you know, um, that this is going to be okay, you know? Yeah. I mean, you've must, it sounds like you've seen her grow so much and you've kind of been able to like grow with her, with your relationship. Is that how you feel now and what helps you, you know, bring joy into your own life, you know, thinking about her? Absolutely. She is so reflective, Um, you know, going to school, you know, she, she can reflect on like our relationship and she, like one day she'll call me and say, oh, so I was in my psychology class. And so do you realize that we're codependent? And I was like, oh, yes. Like, <laughs> like, like we're like codependent on each other. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I recognize that. <laughs> we're very reflective. We're very authentic. We, you know, um, I think, you know, thinking about like our closeness, there is nothing that we, that we don't tell each other. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've become, we've grown together. Yes. One of the things that I love to say, you know, or that maybe I've heard with parenting is that we're all growing together and doing this together. I've never done it before, you know, I'm living right alongside of you. And so let's, let's do this together in a way that, you know, that we can do it and we can feel fulfilled and there is not going to be a right way. What's right for one isn't going to be right for another family. Um, That was, that was really hard. Like, learning how to be a parent to each child individually and especially to being a parent to her where she really was so independent Mm -hmm. and so um just doing her own thing and when i learned to not 
tried to influence who I wanted her to be, mm. um, that's when we became closer. Yeah. Which is but so we, hard. It's much easier said than done, right? Yeah, but she paved the way, I think, for her siblings and she paved the way um, for me when I finally realized that. I feel like we're very influenced by the people that we're around, yeah, right? Absolutely. And feeling very judged by other parents of mm. what's normal not normal what should you allow your children to do what should you not allow your children to do Um, and feeling very judged so there was a period of time where we weren't very close because not that we weren't close but like she felt judged all the time like oh are you really gonna wear that outfit out you know and so it was right around I remember she like read a book I think on like feminism and like she gained this voice and she she was like mom i should be allowed to wear a b and c and you know and then i reflected and i was like okay yeah you know what like let's talk about it like why are we setting these rules what is it because it becomes the social norm or like rules with the phone or rules with boys or rules with um other friends and whatever it might been i was so taking outside influence it and like and like incorporating into what I thought was going to be good parenting because I felt like I would be judged otherwise. Yeah. The moment I decided to be authentic to myself and say, you know what feels good is when I can compliment you on that outfit, let you walk out the door like that and allow you to decide if you feel comfortable in that outfit or not. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like yeah, I love they that. go those awkward stages with the headbands and the braces and the glasses and makeup, the, the makeup. <laughs> Like whatever it might be, but if we don't tell them that they're beautiful, if we don't tell them like it's okay to wear that out and let them learn on their own, we're stifling like the true person that they can become. Yeah. And so I don't want a replication of what I think is is a good, you know, a good example of what a good kid should look like, right? Yeah. I want to be able to fully and all my children to fully express who they want to be and encourage that. Yeah. And so it was a huge shift. And when I was able to do that, I was able to really become like more authentic and I feel like a better mom Yeah. to, to all of them. Yeah, yeah. I love all of that. Um, now your son's 18, right? Is he graduating in the spring? So mm-hmm. what are you going to do differently this time? Or like, how are you preparing yourself? Is he going off to school or what's his plan? Yeah. So, um, he he has applied to colleges mm-hmm. and he's gotten acceptances to three all three are away um okay. some further than others so i am preparing myself i'm still very emotional about it um i know it sounds so odd after i've been through it once it should be easier this time yeah. um when i do talk about it i do feel like i'm literally being punched in the gut right <laughs> like just envisioning it yeah. all and what it would look like because now I can have this vision right. I'm like what would the home look like when he goes away what would the day look like what does it look like the first day what does it look like the second day how often will I be texting and so we one of the things that I'm doing in preparation is that I'm trying to pull back a tiny bit um, but I'm recognizing that that's not the best either okay. right so um, isolating myself from him that's not gonna work right, right. Um, instead I am I'm leaning into some things like instead of giving him more space, I'm trying to establish this normalcy of getting closer, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of times um, boys and girls are different and mm-hmm. how we determine how close we are with our children could be dependent on a lot of different things. And so 
we have a different dynamic than I do with my girls. The closeness that I have with my girls is very affectionate, um, constantly having this physical connection always, right? So if I'm on the couch, they're touching, we're touching. Mm -hmm. If we're leaving each other, we're kissing and hugging. If we're just sitting there, arms are around each other. We're embracing each other all the time. Our son reached about 12 years old. He, um, I remember I took my hand and like placed it on his back and he did like this, oh, just don't like, my heart was broken, but I was like, okay, that's what he needs. He needs this physical space Mm -hmm. and I need to provide that for him. But I, I want to continue to insert myself into his life so I can still have this closeness with him. Um, so that when he does leave, that it's not going to be, it's not going to be odd that I text him. And so I continue to do that, like set up the normalcy of me texting him on a regular basis, whether it be if I don't get to see him because I was at work, he was at school, or if he's at, um, you know, away at his sport, I'll be texting him. He always returns my texts. Always. And that's, I'm so grateful to that. Um, And so really setting up like parameters like that, I'm hoping. Communication, open lines of communication. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Then continuing dialogue about things that he's interested in, Mm -hmm. right? Many times we feel like if we're going to develop a closeness with our child, we have to ask all the questions. We have to set up rules. We have to, you know, but recently I recognized he just turned 18. He's an adult. If I have ANC rules because it's my house, it's not going to establish the relationship that I'm hoping for when he leaves. And we did this very much with my daughter too, was that it started, you you need to empower them to make their own decisions, whether they be right or wrong decisions, that's for them to decide. It's all about natural consequences, right? Mm-hmm. So if they need to make these core decisions when they're home and in your house and they're not life-altering decisions, they're learning things, right? right. Then I feel like that's the best way. And so I don't do a lot of over-parenting, especially now that he's 18. Like, driving past nine, you know, a parent would be like, why do you allow your child to drive past nine? Don't you know that it's making it harder on us, the parents that are following the rules? And I was like, it's not a rule for me. My son has a driver's license. If he chooses to break that rule, he's going to lose his driver's license. That's going to be his consequence. consequence. He's an adult and he needs to feel this out. And so empowering kids to do that before they leave, um, I think is helpful. And so one of the things that I just always say to my children, do not make mistakes you can't recover from. And let's go through examples of what you can't recover from. And don't ever be afraid to come to me. And so I think that's the biggest thing too, is how you create that closeness with your children. As you say, I won't be, I, if you tell me A, B, and C, and that you made this bad decision, there's not going to be a negative consequence. The ne- negative consequence is that you, that you chose this, that you chose that decision. And now you have to live with the consequences on your own, but it's not going to be a punishment for me. Um, and of course you have to, that's how I choose to parent my teenage children. But the work that I did before getting there Right. I think my daughter was like 13 or 14 when she told me, mom, you did your job. Now you have to sit back and see if it worked. Right. And so she's like, I get to decide if I'm going to take your advice now. And so um, building that in, I think, is so important. So kind of like went a little bit around about answering that question. But no, it's it's great. And that decision making, establish those relationships, um, you know, really, really getting in his space. I know that sounds really odd, but a lot of times parents will stand outside of the bedroom and ask questions from the hallway or the doorway. I just go right in. Yeah. I just go right in. 
I sit down. I don't clean up his room. I don't talk about how messy his room is. I don't ask him to clean his room. Um, I just am trying to establish and maintain a trusting relationship so that when he is away, it's going to be normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that the advice that you would give, you know, to parents out there that are, you know, their kid is getting ready to go off to college or, you know, to start a career or whatnot and move away? Yeah, absolutely. So when I did a little bit of research on, you know, what this, what what I was experiencing and it wasn't until, you know, we just decided on the topic of this podcast and I did a little research and it, it is called emptiness syndrome and it can be just from one child leaving. It can be from all of your children leaving. Um, there are some certain things that set you up for having a difficult time with this. And so if you're in a situation where you don't have the social support, so I didn't have my family here close to me, if you're not in uh, that a loving, committed relationship, supportive um, partnership, if you um, don't work, right? If right, there's certain things that or variables that will lead to potentially increasing your risk. And so identifying that first, okay. Any any potential um, substance abuse, things like that. So identifying your risks of what it potentially would look like, um, I think, is really first and foremost so that you can be proactive. Okay. Um, I think the second thing is by preparing. So we always I always think to myself with parenting, you want to start with the end in mean. The end goal mm-hmm. is that your children become loving, caring, empathetic adults. Yes. Right. And yes. so by showing them that. Um, unconditionally. So it's not dependent on what they wear. It's not dependent on if they clean the room. It's not dependent on if they drove past nine. It's not dependent on if they're, they have multiple, you know, friends that are going to be bad influences in their lives. Right. So it's all about establishing these relationships that are unconditional. Um, But in order to maintain those relationships and create those relationships, I recognize that there were some things that I might have done differently. So not having non-negotiables in the household, right? Dinner time is a must, right? Mm-hmm. So I gave dinner time because of sports. Yeah. Um, giving up like maybe a bedtime routine. Don't do that either, right? It's it's normal to kiss your child goodnight every night if you want it to be normal to you. Even my son who was like, oh, don't, don't touch me, right? Yeah. So establishing like, okay, you might not want me to, so this is what I'm going to do instead, right? Or establishing that, that I love you. And so creating these habits that will be long lasting, not giving up tradition, right? So my kids were like, we don't like turkey, so we don't want to have Thanksgiving. Okay, well, that's a non-negotiable. We're Thanksgiving, right? right? But I I was giving up like a lot and allowing them to kind of dictate a little bit and knowing that like these things are important to me. And if we follow tradition, then it's going to be useful in the future and we'll always follow tradition. And so really making those, some of those things really non-negotiable. So we create habits in our lives where it's something they can always go back to, yeah. right? Yeah. They choose to be with their own children, but at least they have these, these core memories of, okay, we always did this. We always told the truth. We always, you know, and so just establishing these non-negotiables, these habits um, that, that will carry on lifelong for yeah. them. Um, and then, um, then moving on is it, you know, so those are like early on what you can do. And then right before they, they leave, 
um, providing opportunity for them to grow and to not have your hand in everything, right? Yeah. And maybe not having a curfew because they're 18 years old and it's the summer before they go away. Right. I think that's important. If you, you know, they, they have to be able to decide like, okay, I really do want to come home at 2 a.m. because I'm tired, right. Right? right? And so start to empower them to make some of their own decisions, allowing them to make their own meals, allowing them to do their own laundry, yeah. allowing them to go grocery shopping, allowing them to empowering them to do all these things that you feel are your mom responsibilities, but giving them away is okay. Right. 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 It's well, yeah. Cause can. it's going to be a complete shock, yeah. you know, when they get to college anyway. So yeah, kind of easing them into that. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're not going to know that they know how, unless they give them the trial. Right. So don't do it a week before they should. I mean, my kids, you know, they were, they've been doing their own laundry forever, mostly out of, you know, because they needed the orange shirt. Right. <laughs> Right. And maybe I couldn't get to the orange shirt and it was orange shirt day, right? It comes <laughs> right. from the anxiety of of not having that one item or, you know, your uniform or whatever it is. Yeah. And so, hey, here's how you do it. And yeah. it, they did it very early on. Same thing with like cooking for themselves and fending for themselves. Right, right. So then preparation for, you know, um, for yourself, like as a mom, it's important to get all those hobbies, to get all of, you know, your volunteer activities lined up, everything and keep a schedule. So if you thrive in routine, you just need to create that schedule, have a plan for that day when you get back. Right. So have a plan for drop off, have a plan for the drive home. Maybe it's going to be a podcast you're going to listen to. Yeah. So that you're crying. Maybe it's going to be bringing a friend or staying a weekend or something like that. So um, being more more proactive about preparing for that day yeah. and then subsequently, what is the first visit going to look like? Um, and then, you know, it's okay to recognize that it's a grieving process. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I felt very guilty because I would go to my friends and be like, this is this is horrible. And not a lot of people were in this. I had one friend in the same place that I was, but a lot of them, their kids were going to be going away the next year or the year after. And I had a tendency of being like, it's going to be horrible. This is the worst thing that ever happened in my entire <laughs> life. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, well, wait, why aren't you feeling that way? And maybe something's wrong with me. Yeah. And so really finding a support system where somebody can kind of, I don't want to, you know, like, does misery love company? No, but I, the last thing I wanted to hear was, this is all good. You prepared her. Like, I just wanted somebody to be like, you're right. This right. really stinks. Yeah. You really are going through it. And I am so sorry. And I will just sit here with you for the moment. Yeah. But, you know, being in a in an odd scenario where I'm not home with all my besties and, you know, there's this, this there's these weird shifts of like friendships where, your friendships when you're a little bit older depend on what sports your child's in, right? Mm -hmm. And so they shift, you know, neighborhood friends to sports friends and then recognizing like, okay, so really finding a social network is so important and, um, you know, preparing for that and then building in new relationships that aren't going to take place of that relationship, but, you know, really volunteering, yeah. um, you know, getting a second job. Like I'm already preparing for David and I'm like, okay, where's my second job? Oh my gosh, you're already busy enough. What are you talking about, lady? I know, but I'm like, okay, I'm busy because he's busy and they do tend to, 
you know, they, they do tend. And one last piece of advice that in the preparation, and um, my parents have, have told me this too, and um, I think it's true. When your kids ask you to do something, it, that's a non-negotiable. It's always yes. Okay. Can we, can we go to Target? Yes. Will you come to this with me? Can we go to the movies? Can we do this? It's a it, hands down. The answer should always be yes. Um, something as silly as my son, he turned 18. So he's really excited because he gets to go to the casino. Okay. Well, he was going to the casino and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go. Let's just go and experience it. Yeah. Now I don't promote gambling. I don't, <laughs> I've, I've never been, I was at the casino once before that with like my grandma. When, when I was younger, you know, like in my 20s, she's like, please go to the casino with me. But this is something like he's experiencing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do. So make those, make those adventures non-negotiable where you always say yes to your children because there's going to be a time where they're going to stop asking you. Yeah. And so um, it could be something so crazy. And I would just, I won't, I won't go skiing. Like there are certain things like I can't. <laughs> no skiing. But I will be in that lodge, right? I'll, right. I'll be um, so I really try so hard yeah. to just say yes. I to love everything. that. And it is like, hard to always say yes, you know, because we do have yeah. our own agendas and there are mm-hmm. things that we don't want to do. But you're right. I mean, you do kind of run out of time. You know, life is short and they get big really quickly. Yeah. yeah. It will even be something as simple as, you know, like last night my daughter was like laying in bed and she's like, she calls me on the phone. Mom, can you come here? And I was in the middle of something, right? Like yeah. I was, you know, I was deep in like this project. Um, and so I, I wanted to say no. I was like, yeah. yeah, I'm coming. You called me on the phone and you need something. Yeah. I, it's, in, it's, it's in creating those habits that create the sustainable um, closeness and trust right. that I will always be there for. It's something, it's, I mean, that's so silly and so simple. Yeah. But I just always want to be, I always, as long as there's, you know, it's a safe scenario and I can say yes and I can physically be there. Right. I want right. to be there. But recognizing too, we have to, we do have to carve out time for ourselves, recognizing that things will change. Right. Um, but this is a temporary state where you're just in the moment of creating and establishing habits and relationships that will are going to last a lifetime. Yeah. And there's just going to be a transition of how we parent, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, this is so amazing, Jill. Thank you so much. This was like above and beyond what I thought. I think this information, these resources are just incredible. Um, And obviously I'm there for you always, especially when David leaves and whatnot. Um, Thank you so much. We'll be able to do our walks again by the spring. (laughs) I know, right? I promise I will not bring the ugly crying. That oh might be a few years. <laughs> you can totally bring the ugly crying. I will not judge you. Um, but thank you so much for sharing. Um, again, I think this is just all incredible information. And I think like you said, just knowing someone and being able to relate to them and be empathetic and be like, oh, you're going through the same thing as me and it, it stinks, you know, and just having these resources to be able to kind of pull yourself out. Um, it's just so important. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me again. I just appreciate it. I feel so honored to be among all of your guests because I know you've had so many amazing guests. And I just think what you're doing um, is so amazing for the community of women who really just need to hear 
what you have to say. And so I'm so grateful to be able to share just a little bit of my experience and hopefully it will help somebody as they're preparing for some of the same life transitions. Yeah. So I mean, it definitely will. And thank you for being here. I mean, it wouldn't be a podcast without you guys. So I really appreciate yeah. it. But I will talk to you soon. Thank okay. you. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Empowerhood is brought to you by Flourish Everyday Coaching. Check them out in the link below. And again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. If you could take 60 seconds of your time and leave us an Apple review, this helps share the news about this podcast and help women all over the world. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the next episode.